Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, welcome, 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 happy Wednesday, hope you guys have had a good week so far, or right in the middle of this, but uh, it's looking like it's going to be okay this week, you know, it's looking like it's going to be okay, inching ever closer to Halloween, busy, busy time for my team, and I know for a lot of other paranormal teams that are out there, lots going on. My name is Charlotte, I'm going to be your guest, your, I almost said guest, <laughs> my name is Charlotte, I'm going to be your host for the next hour, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal problem or you think you might have one, we can get to you. It may take us a while. California is a huge state. People don't realize how big we are. But uh, we will get out there within two to three days. And in the case that we have to wait to get out there, we do have mediums on staff who can phone you and talk to you about what may or may not be going on in your place of business or home. And in most cases, if there is something going on, they're able to they're able to calm it down until we can get out there. Okay. All right. That being said, if you're watching from Facebook tonight, a lot of you are, please be sure to hit that follow button if you haven't done so already, and uh, because I'm looking for followers. And also, as you watch, be sure to hit those thumbs up and show me some love with some hearts and stuff. And also, be sure to do some chatting in the chat room. Okay. Um, because what that does is it throws us out higher in the uh, Facebook's FYP meaning. Facebook's computer can see that that, I'm getting, you know, that we have all this stuff going on. And so they're going to push us out to more people. All right. So if you can do that, I appreciate it. Same thing with YouTube. Works the same way. If you haven't subscribed already, be sure to do so. I've got over 800 videos over there, all different topics, not only paranormal either, because I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a journalist, photojournalist. And I can change it up, you know, so I'll talk about murders and spousal abuse and, 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 and you know, and, and topics like that in general. So um, I like to mix it up. But the thing is, with all those videos sitting over there, you go onto that page and it'll give you a migraine. Totally confusing. So what I've done is I'm just about finished categorizing everything. So if you want to look for UFOs and whatnot, there's a folder for that. You want to look for uh, medium nasty mats, there's a folder for that. So, I mean, there's folders for almost every topic under the sun. And all you have to do is click on them to go visit those pages. Excuse me one second. I got allergies going on today. It's something that made me break out. Anyway, welcome. And I've got a great guest today. And please subscribe. Oh, yes. And please subscribe if you haven't done so over on YouTube. You can find our group at Twitter under California Haunts. You can find us under Twitch under Cal Haunts. You can find us over at TikTok under California Haunts. You can find us on Facebook under California Haunts. California Haunts Radio, Sacramento Sears. I mean, we're really easy to find. Instagram, Ghosty Gal, all lowercase. And we're also at meetup.com under California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Okay, now that that's all out of the way, my guest today, Richard Lang, has done a lot of study into this UFO phenomenon. And I, I agree with what he says. Um, I heard him on another show talking about this. And I, I do believe in the, the fact that our first responders really don't have a lot of training in how to handle paranormal stuff, whether it is UFO, UAP, or even, even you know, ghosts. There's no training there. You know, there's a mentality, 
there's always been this mentality. I've you know, been watching this for years as I studied Sasquatch. I've been watching this for years where the scientific community is not going to believe anything until you so somebody kills one and takes it in, they can dissect it. And that's a lot of the problem with our mentality in society because that's how we feel. So as far as uh, the UFOs go in law enforcement, that's what's going to happen. You know, somebody's going to get, get scared or whatever. They're, they're going to shoot one of these things, bring it in for dissection if they haven't done that already. So I agree with my guests. We're going to be talking about UF, you know, UAPs and how law enforcement and emergency crews handle them. Okay? UAP, UFOs. So let me bring them in, and uh, we'll get the show on the road. Hi, how's it, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Happy Wednesday. I'm excited to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. You know, the only paranormal shows I watch, because I've been doing this for 18 years, right? The only thing that I watch is I will watch um, the uh, paranormal 911 shows with the you know police and fire department and the haunted hospitals, because I figure they're trained observers. And so, the, so you know, what, what they see is what they see. I mean, a police officers are going to lie that he saw a disc, you know, in the sky and stuff. So those are the shows I watch. So when I heard you on the other show talking about this particular topic, it, it really struck a bell with me, you know, that, yeah, there has to be more training, and I agree with you. So let's talk. Tell me about you, and then we'll segue into all that. Thanks. Well, essentially, um, I've been doing this kind of research for over 30 years. I've written three books. Um probably the uh, most notorious thing I've done in the past few years is during the, um, um, if, if you all remember uh, three or four years ago, Washington Post, New York Times wrote articles about this secret project that was funded by the Defense Intelligence mm -hmm. Agency. It was facilitated through Bigelow Aerospace. Um, and um, I was hired to, to manage part of that program. There were basically my role was like chief investigator and, and lead project manager on the non-classified side. So essentially what we were doing was we were taking cases that were reported through MUFON. I had a team of people that would sort through them. They typically get 800 cases, mm -hmm. new reports a month. And these guys would sort through those reports. We'd end up maybe with 50 really good ones. And then I'd de deploy investigators to to go out and and interview the people and do the research, collect data, and then when ultimately they'd send it back to me, and I'd I'd finalize reports that were submitted to to BASS, which is Bigelow Aerospace Applied Space Studies. Mm -hmm. It's a sister company for Bigelow Aerospace, and they were basically working behind the scenes with Defense Intelligence Agency. Mm -hmm. So recently, with some of the stuff that's come out in the books. Um, I've been told that the guys at the Pentagon every Friday were sitting there waiting for my reports to come in and, and, and they read them. And so, um, I've gotten, um, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of notoriety from, from that work that I've done. Plus, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I've been on, I think 12 discovery channel shows and that kind of thing. But right now, basically the first book I wrote was a book to train investigators, how to, uh, how to look at paranormal phenomena. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, called the methodology for a new age. UFO investigation. That book's done really well, and it's used by a lot of the um, organizations to train people to, mm -hmm. to be prepared for how, how this all unfolds. The second book I wrote was basically for the public, and that mm -hmm. was just to, to, to go back and start in the days of the Truman administration when these things first started crashing and they were recovered. And then, um, you know, that they, they, they built these these secret programs with defense contractors to do the research and engineering. 
and and there's been at least we know of at least a hundred crashes that have been recovered over the last wow. 50 or 60 years and they have wow. alien bodies and all kinds of um uh wreckage and, and that that they've done back engineering and research so with that all said um i i for for a while i had i did some time in law enforcement during the post 9 11 period i worked for homeland security i was a liaison for law enforcement in the airports in virginia and um so some of the most of the people that you know are my good friends are like cops and sheriffs and stuff like that and one of the things i can tell you is that nowhere in any of the training that that's ever done for law enforcement people like in the police academy and that kind of stuff ever there's never one word about a ufo it's just mm -hmm. not talked about it's not touched and it's been that way for a long time so essentially what's happened that's changed everything is that there are there are few there's more than a dozen people that are members of, of Congress mm -hmm. that are very interested in UFO activity and particularly activity over like nuclear weapons facilities, storage areas and missile silos and, you know, restricted military areas. And um, for the last couple of years, they've been really digging at the Pentagon trying to figure out what's going on. And honestly, mm -hmm. they've actually done some television interviews where um you know these guys if, i mean it's, it's almost a joke but these guys are just spinning them around giving them ridiculous answers and not really get cut into the truth of what's what's going mm -hmm. on so last year what happened was about 15 of these guys in congress got together and every year the the it's called the national defense authorization act it's a bill that goes through congress every year and it basically allocates the money for the for the military in the defense department and, and those bills are like 1500 pages. So what these guys did is they put language in that bill that said, if anyone that works for the United States government or anyone who's a contractor for the United States government that's had mm -hmm. any kind of hands-on contact with uh, non-human bodies of extraterrestrial origin or any uh, crash wreckage or vehicles of non-terrestrial, extraterrestrial origin, or been involved in any kind of back engineering or research uh, involved with any of that, they basically gave them immunity and amnesty from prosecution. If they come forward and talk to Congress about what they know about this. And so the, 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 the language in the act specifically says that if they come forward, they cannot be constrained by their national security agreements that they sign, which would allow them to work on this stuff. And so, with that all said, it was the, the bill went through the, the it was in Congress, it went through the Senate, the president signed it last year, and now it's federal law. So what you're hearing on TV about the, the, the whistleblowers is actually people that are coming forward in compliance with that act and basically telling Congress what's really going on. And, and, and what happened was you had a guy named Gresh that came about three or four weeks ago and testified in open hearings in Congress that were televised. And he's basically saying, look, we've got uh, facilities all over the country where we've got non-human alien bodies. We've got wreckage that's of extraterrestrial origin, crafts of extraterrestrial origin. We've been doing back engineering and research on this stuff for 50 years. And, um, and, and, the, and one of the congresswomen said, well, where is this stuff? And he goes, I have a list of it. If you'd like to get in the skiff, which is a secret compartmental, it's a classified security area. I'll give you a list mm -hmm. of every one and what's in them. And so essentially what you've got is a number of members of Congress now have 
exact information about what's in these facilities and where are they and what's going on. So that's, that's kind of what set the stage. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so what's happened now is, you know, they're talking about alien bodies and extraterrestrial spacecraft wreckage on the six o'clock news now. Right. And when they talk about something on the six o'clock news, then it becomes reality for the American people. Mm-hmm. It's like you said. And so essentially what's happened now is that these guys in law enforcement are saying, hey, it's obvious this stuff is real. Our people have never been exposed to it or trained about it. And we mm-hmm. and we really need to do that. So I'm working with some people in a group that we recently founded. And that's what we're trying to do is put, put together programs to train police. And that's where this book came from. So essentially, um, you know, the the the. I wrote this book for, for the first responders and, and what it is, it's a guide to, to, to the whole picture. It starts out, you know, giving you a little bit of the history. Like this has been going on since the Truman administration, 70 years, and here's what okay. they've done. And here's where, um, um, and here's where, uh, you know, the, the, um, the, you still have me, don't you? My screen. Yes, I see it. I see it. Yeah, the book. Yeah. So basically, I put some history in there to explain what happens, what's happened, what's been going on for the last 50 years, a little bit about what the government's done in terms of trying to cover it up. Uh, mostly, um, a lot of people will, will say to me, well, what, uh, wh- why does the government just tell us what, what they know and what's going on? Well, part of the problem is the government doesn't have you know, this stuff isn't laying around in military bases somewhere. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. in the private facilities that are owned by the defense contractors. Right. And even when when I was um, when I worked on the project with Bass at Bigelow Aerospace, um, they had an underground secured facility there. And last year they responded to um, a Freedom of Information Act request and the Pentagon blatantly come out and said, yes, that they had extraterrestrial spacecraft wreckage in that facility that they were doing research on. Mm-hmm. So I didn't never, I didn't know that at the time, you know, I mean, I would probably in there begging on my knees to work on that part of the project, but, um, that, that since, since then I've learned that that, that was so, and, and basically all of that stuff is proprietary and that's, what's happened all over the country. All these, all these co- corporations that, that do this research, they have this stuff in their facilities. They've done back engineering and research for 50 or 60 years. They've made billions with a B, billions of dollars on the technology they've developed. And um, they pretty much try to keep the government out of it as much as possible. You know, mm-hmm. back in the Eisenhower days, um, by the time Eisenhower left office, he was really upset because they weren't coming clean with what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, when he left office, he said, beware of the military industrial complex because of the misplaced power. And mm-hmm. that's what he was talking about is that they had given them all this material and there was all kinds of tax money dumped into these black operations, tax money dumped into these projects. And then when it w- came time for Eisenhower to find out what's going on, they were telling him, well, you don't have a high enough security clearance. Sorry, pal. Wow. And um, it, it didn't, that didn't go over well with him. And, um, from what we know, we actually um, there there's some pretty strong evidence indicating I talked about it in my book a little bit, but basically um, he had had wanted to know what was going on in Area 51, the Groom Lake S4 area out there. And that's what they said. He didn't have security clearance. And basically he let him know that, you know, I have I want this information. I want on my desk by by a week from next Friday. And if I don't have it, I'm coming to California, California. I'm coming to Colorado. I'm going to take control of the first cavalry. I'm going to come in here and tear that place apart. It's your choice. 
-hmm. and they probably believed him because he just won World War II, you know. Right. And so they did apparently give him a lot of information that he wanted to know about, but he was very disturbed about it because he didn't like the fact that they were going behind his back and the members of Congress and not really telling them what they were doing. So I've sort of tried to touch that in my book because people try to say to me, well, what's the big deal about the secrecy? Mm -hmm. well, can't the public handle it? Well, it's actually not about that. It's more about the money these guys are making and, and they're not ready to hand it over and give it up yet. And that's mm -hmm. a big part of it. And there's also the app that there's also the the um, what we call high strangeness, because mm -hmm. clearly when you do this research, I've been doing it for a long time. There's a lot of things that occur that don't fit with our laws of physics the way we see them, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like um, multidimensional existences and, and, you know, where they, they can manipulate time. And, um, you know, for the average person, that's kind of a little it's a little hard to wrap your, your mind right, around it right, when right. you, when you first start dealing with it. Okay. And, um, in, in my, my first book, part of the thing that I'm, I try to do is when you're training investigators, a lot of times they'll, um, they'll do, they'll write a report up based on their own perception of reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so an example would be car sitting on the ground somewhere and the, and the mm -hmm. observers in the car, the witnesses say that the, this craft, a saucer craft came and went right down through the trees. Mm -hmm. It's called a transmedium vehicle where it can trans through solid objects. Mm -hmm. And then it went through a steel chain link fence and landed next to the car. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. So the investigator goes out and, you know, interviews everybody. And, and, and then when, when he or she writes the case up, they say, the, the craft flew over the trees, flew over the fence and landed next to the car because in their mind, it's impossible to go through a stained steel fence. Sure. And, and so what you have is you have a database that's pretty, pretty, pretty corrupt because uh -huh. th they haven't really reported what's happened. They've reported what they thought happened based on their own perception. So a lot of the work that I'm doing is trying to train them. Hey, you know, here's what a transmedium vehicle means, you know, and look at density. If you, if you have, you know, the, the, they, if you can change the frequency and go into a higher dimensional existence, the density gets lower mm -hmm. and, and that allows them to go through solid objects and, and teaching people what really happens. And so there's a, there's a shift there where their perception of reality has to change too. And so mm -hmm. they can, they can accurately report this stuff. So with all that being said, now I'm, I'm, I'm writing a book about for, for cops, for police. And I've served mm -hmm. in law enforcement, both on the federal and state level, and has indicated that nobody's ever said a word about a UFO. Mm -hmm. And um, so so in the book, I try to give them some background about how this all evolved and then um, talking about some of the projects that have been done and, and, and how they handle this information. Mm -hmm. But um, the, um, the, the, the part of the book is um, there's a section in the book that. Um, gives you uh, a detailed list of things. If someone came to you and reported something, these are the kind of questions you want to ask, you know, like as far as the altitude and the, you know, how did it move and how did it, you know, travel and all there, there's three or four pages of questions that you'd want to mm -hmm. kind of familiarize yourself with. But then the, um, the other thing is in looking at how this all works. Okay. Basically what the government's done is there be they'll be the ones to do the recovery operation. Mm -hmm. So what they have is they're called reconnaissance units or recon teams. The mm -hmm. first one was set up in Fort Belvoir in Virginia. And basically they had a team of people 
that would go out and recover this stuff. Now, understand the reconnaissance teams aren't exclusively working it for, with, on UFOs mm-hmm. because there's all kinds of things that happen. A military aircraft comes down somewhere with a, with a nuclear weapon on board or a missile on board, or, or there's a train wreck that's transporting nuclear material. Um, there's, there's all kinds of things that occur where these recon units are, are, are very specially trained to mm-hmm. go out, take control of it, um, and, um, uh, analyze it and then, and then pack it up and remove it and, and, mm-hmm. and clean the area up and all that kind of stuff. So I think a lot of police, um, and what I'm trying to say is in, when they do this kind of thing, You've mm-hmm. got a team of very highly skilled uh, military operations type people. Some of them are contractors and some of them are enlisted military, but mm-hmm. they have a team of people that can go to these unit areas very quickly. On, on one occasion in my book, I'm not going to say how I got the pictures, but I took pictures of a recon unit that was a caravan of about 16 or 18 vehicles. Mm-hmm. And some of the vehicles, I've got pictures in my book. And, and they're pretty weird looking. They've got all kinds, they, they all have police lights on them, but they're military vehicles and they've got all kinds of very sophisticated antennas and equipment on the roof of them and all that kind of stuff. So with that said, you've got, you know, like Belvoir in, in Virginia, you've got Nellis Air Force Base and probably half a dozen other places around the country where these guys operate out of. And so when, when, um, when, when an event like this occurs and, and see, a lot of people don't understand that, um, You've got NORAD, and NORAD basically is cut, surveys the area above the Earth in the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. And so, anything that flies into the airspace above the United States is they know about it. And they're monitoring it, or anything that materializes in the airspace, they know about it and they're monitoring. That's why so often in these reports, you'll see people that'll say that you know that the UFO was was scooting along and it was there was a, a black helicopter or a fighter jet chasing it or around it mm-hmm. and that's because they know and they're after this stuff right and they're on it right now so if, if you're a local cop somewhere and something happens in in your in your county the the recon unit's probably going to know about it and be there before you do oh, but okay. you may be getting reports of some strange things that are happening and everything. but what's going to happen is the recon unit's going to respond and that's going to be a team of people that are highly skilled, you know, the nuclear, chemical, biological, and they mm-hmm. might eat, they'll probably have somebody there that can communicate telepathically. And, and they're going to go into where this wreckage is and they're going to um, uh, ask the local police to set up a perimeter. And so if there's people that living there, they're going to evacuate them and, and the police will probably be a part of that. So the police, mm-hmm. the average sheriff or, or, or police department they're going to be regarding the respect that they're going to be asked to maintain a perimeter. And so what'll happen, they'll put a story out on the media that's, you know, there was a train wreck with toxic chemicals on it or, or, or some kind of a hazardous event that occurred Mm -hmm. in this area to scare people away. Mm -hmm. And then um, they'll, they'll go in and um, begin to, to, to set up the, their, 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 uh, their, their operation and testing. So usually Mm -hmm. the first thing they'll do, they'll come in and they'll set up lighting and um, then they'll use um, instruments to, to, you know, radiological and electromagnetic fields, the hazards right. that might be available there, or, or or there, and and then you know deal with occupants if they're 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 you know deceased or not. Mm-hmm. And um, once they complete their um, 
they're, they're going to do like um, an analysis or, or evaluation of everything and categorize everything. And uh, once they do that, then the, the next step would be to make arrangements to transportate it, transport it to some holding facility. And usually they use, you know, like tractor trail, flatbed tractor trailer trucks and trailer trucks to do that. And again, the local police are going to maintain the, the perimeter mm -hmm. and, and until that's done. And then once they get the wreckage out of there, they'll they'll clean it up and mm -hmm. remove any hazardous waste or whatever's there that when when they're done, you probably would never know that something crashed there. Oh. And and so, you know, the lo local local police departments, I want to make sure they understand how that all all, all falls together. Um, and probably some of them would would say, OK, that all makes sense, you know, and and then. I think that was probably the most important part of the book for, for, for a law enforcement person is to really understand the whole concept of it. Mm -hmm. um, but then the next thing that, that the next chapter that, that, that I wrote was um, based on a lot of the, the work we've done with investigators over many years. And what it is, it's, um, it's uh, a section on basically what to do and not to do if you're ever involved in something where you might roll up on something that just crashed if you mm -hmm. got there. And, um, a lot of that has to do with, with personal safety. Um, when you, um, in any, any kind of event, even if a satellite comes down somewhere, a piece of it, they use little miniature nuclear reactors and satellites to power them. So that wreckage is, 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 is radioactive and, and obviously very dangerous. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things that I've said was, and based on, on, many reports that I've read about people that have had close encounters. Um, if you can stay in the car because the car, the metal in the car protects you from a lot of the electromagnetic fields and radiation that might be there. And, um, you know, and, and the way I came to that conclusion is over the years, you look at reports where people had encounters, you know, and one guy hops out of the car and, and the other guy's cowering under, you know, all rolled up in the back seat, scared. And, and the, the, the guy that jumped out of the car ends up with all kinds of radiation sickness and burns and, and tumors. And the other guy that, that, that stayed in the car didn't have any ill health effects. So, um, that's what to consider. If you, if you have, um, if, if, if you have an, uh, a craft that's hovering, okay. The, the, and I wrote a little bit, the first in this book is the first book I've written about propulsion and how it works. Mm -hmm. But basically these things use a, um, a type of propulsion It's called electrogravitic. And, um, what it is, is if you have a craft, either a saucer or a triangle, and it's hovering close to the ground, um, you do not want to get underneath that because mm -hmm. walking underneath that would be like sticking your arm in a microwave oven, if that makes sense. Right. Um, because that's the kind of tissue damage that would be would happen if, if you got close to that, because it's very similar to microwave in the way it'll affect skin tissue. And so obviously you don't want to walk underneath one. And if you have one of these crafts that's on the ground and it's still powered up, um, the, um, the metallic surface of it sometimes will admit like an ultraviolet radiation. And it would, it would like give you like a sunburn kind of thing. And then um, some of them, have been known to, you know, emit radiation in the X-ray spectrum, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and and it's strong enough to cause radiation sickness. So, you know, you don't want to be hopping out of the car and running over there and, and, and getting too close and touching it because um, it, it obviously might have some serious health, health hazards for you. And then a lot of little things like you don't point like high powered lights at them if they're hovering. Um, there are tons of cases out there where people had encounters and they saw something, you know, up, you know, a triangle or it's, it's up maybe a few hundred feet, thousand right. feet above them. And they run in and they grab their their million candle power spotlight they use for spotting deer. And as soon as they point that up at the craft, nothing good ever happens after that. Mm -hmm. You know, people have been had various things have occurred, including like being burned by beams of light and stuff like that, that they put back down. So, you know, don't point any kind of high, you know, nowadays with the cops and, you know, I have a couple of them that these little flashlights are like really powerful. They're right. times brighter than your car headlights. And you don't want to point that up because they're like, oh, what is that? You know, I'm trying to see what it looks like better. When you point that light at them, that could cause a hostile response. And, you know, just little things like that. And even um, when I, you know, one of the things that, um, one of the things you want to consider is that these beings have technology that's like a thousand years ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm serious about that. And so, um, you know, I said, like, if you're, if you're a cop and you get out of the car, you've got what we call the duty belt, you've got a gun and a holster on that duty belt. Right. And, and you want to leave your gun in that holster. You do not want to pull your gun out because that would be taken as a, 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 a furtive move or a threat mm -hmm. that, that someone inside might make feel. And um, so, so, you know, going to guns with them is like a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, is if you do encounter some, something where there's crash and injuries that, that um, you want to, I mean, it sounds a little weird, but you want to have a mindset of feeling compassion and like, I'm here to help. And, and I'm sorry this happened to you. That's what you want to be thinking about if you get around them, because they can clearly hear your thoughts. And, you know, if you're thinking, well, the first thing that's moving, I'm going to shoot it. That's probably not going to go well for mm -hmm. you. So, so, you know, there, there's a whole list of things like that in the book that, that I've talked about to try to prepare people that might actually, you know, be involved in an encounter. Most of the investigators, um, typically they would not be on, on site when it was going down. Most of the mm -hmm. time, the investigators, someone, um, you know, someone will file a report and the investigator will follow up and go out and interview them. It's typically not, um, you know, in, in the, in the real time when, when it's right. actually happening where the cops, on the other hand, they may roll up on something that's unfolding right now. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they pull up and there's people out there going, man, and you, you won't believe what just happened to me, you know, and, and um, I think a lot of times part of the book that, that I wrote, um, there's a group called UAP Med and they've got people that they're trying to put together, psychologists and, and medical people to help abductees and people who've had close encounters. And um, part of what I was trying to get across to the, in my book is this stuff really happens. And mm -hmm. if, if you encounter someone that's telling you about this stuff that's happening, they're not crazy and they're not insane, but they're just they've just had the hell scared out of them. Sure. You know? sure. And um, in, in to hopefully that they'll be treated more compassionately. Because I think 10 years ago, somebody said, hey, I was just abducted and I went in this flying saucer and these guys put all these probes in me and and they'd be like, OK, call the Section 8. We'll send him down to for the psych unit and put him in 
hang them, put them there overnight, you know, and, and you still may do that, but at least have some understanding that, that what they're telling you happened might really have happened. What might make it easier for everybody involved with that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, you know, what I did. And then the, the last part of my book, uh, there was a, a chapter in there that I included from the other book. And basically what it is, is the, um, um, what, what we're dealing with right now is what we call disclosure. Okay. And essentially what that means is at some point the government or some of these, um, uh, some of these corporations are going to come clean and say, yes, here's what we have. Here's the bodies. Here's the wreckies, that kind of thing. So that's a point we call disclosure. And um, I think we're getting closer and closer to that all the time, particularly with all the whistleblower action that's going on and, 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 and that kind of thing. So um, when you're dealing with that, um, th there, there's, there's what I, 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 I've listed six things that I think are going to be really hard in order to, to that, that have to be dealt with before you can go full disclosure. And um First of all, the, the six things in there, um, some, there's a lot of people out there, including some insiders that will tell you, they think that the, because the defense contractors are going to want to hang on to this as long as they can, they may create some kind of like a false flag event to scare mm -hmm. everybody and think, oh, these aliens are, are attacking us. And then of course their whole purpose is to go to Congress and drain the, 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 the tax coffers to get all the money to build all kinds of new weapons to fight the mm -hmm. aliens, which is kind of ridiculous mm -hmm. considering that, you know, they're a thousand years ahead of us. But um, there's people that think that might happen, you know, and, and, and there was a time when I sort of thought that might happen. I'm not so sure they get away with, with all the stuff that's going on with disclosure now in the whistleblowers. I don't know if they get away with that one anymore. But then there, there are other considerations. Like mm -hmm. one of the things that um, one of the things that I, I did was I was talking about um, if, if anyone has ever heard of the Greenbrier Hotel, it's in West Virginia. And it's a really, really extraordinary, wonderful, big, as nice as it gets hotel. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened is during the Eisenhower administration, um, they built a bunker underneath the hotel that was built to house a 300 members of Congress indefinitely. Okay. And, um, they, the way they did it was that, that the money for it was, was funneled through the railroad company that serviced that area up there. So they kind of were kind of laundering the money and to keep it secret. So what they did is they built a wing on the hotel and then underneath the wing, they built this bunker. And it's pretty extraordinary. Um, and it was built to hold 300 people um, it, from Congress. And there's a train line that runs from Washington up to Greenbrier, of course. And um, and they were on standby readiness for like 30 years. And then what happened was about eight years ago, the Washington Post wrote an article about the um, about the the bunker, and um, the the government declassified it because they basically busted blew their cover. And, and now you can go to the Greenbrier and I think it's 40 bucks and they'll give you a tour of it. It's, it's really there. Um, but what happened after the, 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 you know, after the, it was declassified, they had all these legal problems and lawsuits that were coming up because this was like some of the prime real estate in the country and nobody paid any property tax on it for 30 years, that kind of thing. Yeah. So there were all these lawsuits and, and tax liens and, filed against people that were involved in it um 
because of, of how it went down. And I sort of use that as an example because I think a lot of these these defense contractors, um, if if they have to come clean with this, they're going to be facing the same kind of consequences. People are going to go after them because, well, why didn't you pay the tax on this? And why did you do that? And why did you take this money from from Congress and then not make it available for pu public good? And, you know, the, they know they're going to get hammered pretty good when, when this comes out. So I think that's a, a thing that part of the reason why they're, they're, they're trying to do it slow, you know, mm -hmm. disclosure in steps and slow. And part of that's so that those guys can cash in their patent rights and get the hell out of town for the public figures out what they did. But, but that's a possibility, you know, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, you know, the, I've been saying that for a long time and I'm still right. here, so I guess I'm getting away with it, but, um, but it's true. And then the other things, um, one of one of the, the most I, I put a thing in my book about Orson Welles. He did this. The show was on Halloween. I think it was 1939. And I put it put it in the book. And basically what they did is um, it, it was a Halloween show and it's a radio show, a CBS radio show in New York. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is they just were, were playing around with it. And they said, oh, you know, uh, uh, basically they were saying that the Martians had landed in in, in uh, Martians had landed in New York and. And, and then and then they come back, you know, they continue the radio show. Oh, another bulletin. Now it's in Cleveland, you know, and, and now all over the world, all of the United States, the military is hopelessly trying to fight them and they're taking over, blah, 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 you know, and and they did a really good job and really scared people bad. And, and, and the, the, the research I did, the actual the police came to the studio and they were trying to stop it because the, the, their switchboards were blowing up. People are like calling and there's all this panic and all these people jump in their cars and they're trying to get out of New York and they're driving up the wrong side of the freeways. And it just went, it, they went nuts. And um, it sort of shows you how the, the impact of something like that could, could have on, on, you know, disclosing it. So it's got to be done slowly and carefully and, you know, um, and not to, um, you know, the, so the public has some time to, to, to deal with it. And then um, the, the, the other, the other things that, that are, are, are really in the forefront of this is, the whole concept of um, comes into play as consciousness and mm -hmm. how, how, you know, human consciousness and how, how that will affect it. And also you have to talk about, you know, one of the things that I tried to write about is in, um, in France and in Switzerland, there's this, this particle accelerator that's underground. It's got like an eight mile loop and in there, they, they, they're using that to, explore the mysteries of the universe and they will tell you they did a 60 minute show about eight years ago and they said we've already identified 12 dimensional existences outside this time space reality and so these are quantum physicists telling you yeah this is for real and so um what, what when they they say that a lot of the research that we've done would indicate that these things can move in and out of our dimensional reality I mean, it's just that simple. And, and I tried to describe it a little bit. A lot of it has to do with frequency. Uh -huh. And it's kind of like the, a simple way to understand it is if you look and like, say you're watching a television show. Uh -huh. And so you turn this channel selector to a certain channel on a certain frequency, you watch that show. And then you can change the channel to a different frequency and there's a different show on there. Both of those shows exist simultaneously. It's just that you can only experience the one that you're tuned into that frequency of. 
And the mm -hmm. same kind of concept works with dimensions. The reason why we can communicate is we're both resonating at the same frequency. Sure. And, and if we could change our frequency to a higher frequency, we could go into another dimension. And apparently these, these ETs have figured out a way to do that. And so on our side of the mirror, it's really confusing because airline pilots, you know, something will be right there in front of their plane and bam, it's gone, disappears. Mm -hmm. And then a couple minutes later, it appears five miles over that way, mm -hmm. you know, right. And the, the, the culmination of hundreds of these reports where people describe this thing makes it, you know, if one person told you that you'd be like, maybe, but when you read a hundred reports, Mm -hmm. and, and they all say that basically the same thing happened to them and they're credible people like airline pilots and military pilots and that kind of thing. So, so there's a, there's an incredible amount going on right now that the public doesn't really even have a clue about, you know? And, um, I think that, um, uh, you know, with, um, particularly with police, I really think, you know, some of the guys I'm working with, it's like really time to, to make sure people are trained so they at least understand this stuff. And then um, the other thing, too, is if we come to a point where we have disclosure and there's evidence there, there, I mean, I'm pretty sure that we're in contact with a couple of extraterrestrial races right now. And um, it, it, when that happens, that's going to have a dramatic effect on human consciousness. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of us, you know, I mean, not to get political, but a lot of people, you know, there's a small handful of people controlling everybody. You know, they say mm -hmm. the wealth of the United States is held by less than 100 people. And, um, you know, when when the rest of us wake up and realize what's really going on, they're probably not going to be able to get away with that anymore. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, some kind of contact with an extraterrestrial society would expand our consciousness and certainly make us much more aware of what's going on and, and probably a lot less tolerant of it which would, mm -hmm. would hopefully be so, you know, um, I think that, um, if you look at, you know, in the, the writing about the history of this, this one, one of the things that I think I'm pretty sure about is people say, well, what, what do they want with us? What are they here for? Are they here to hurt us or something? I'm like, you're kidding me. Like if, if they've been coming here for a thousand years and they've got technology that's a hundred years ahead of anything we've got, if they wanted to hurt us, we'd be gone already. I mean, right. that's the light, that's the reality of it. Um, I think that um, what, when we look at this stuff, the, um, the, the biggest thing that um, stands out to me is that they seem to be very concerned about nuclear weapons. And, and you saw that in the Truman administration when they started doing the nuclear testing. And then also, you know, then they destroyed two cities in Japan with nuclear weapons. There was a lot more activity about uh, uh, of UFO activity in general. Mm -hmm. I think some of that uh, combined that with the fact that we were using during the world war II era, we we're using this radar that was used for anti-aircraft purposes. Like, so somewhat like it would happen at Pearl Harbor mm -hmm. and that air anti-aircraft radar apparently interferes with their propulsion systems, which caused some of the crashes, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, they were, you know, they were able to get, get a hold of this stuff and, and recover it. But the point is, is that the concern about the nuclear weapons is the part that I think is, is the, what, what keeps them coming back here. And, um, the, um, you know, there was, um, uh, there was, uh, n a number of cases 
where where people that work in the in military circles worked in these missile silo facilities mm-hmm. and there literally would be like a craft would come over there and just shut the whole place down that's happened more than once more than five or ten times and so i guess maybe that's their way of letting us know that you know if we decide you're not going to use these you're not going to use them and you know i i really think that um that 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 may be a part of their agenda is to eradicate the nuclear weapons on this planet and and you know most of the people in my world are like that i think that's a pretty good idea as long as they take them away from everybody we're good you know <laughs> and um you, you know the concern that they might be trying to to you know that they're more concerned about us destroying this planet i think than right. anything right right, right. And, and so that that's you know um and and you know i almost feel a little weird saying this but there there's um you know when we talk about different like i've interviewed a lot of people that have had first contact and you learn i think you you learn a little bit about what ets are up to and what they're thinking by what they tell these people and the people tell you and for the most part in my world it's been pretty um um it's been pretty uh they they think they're benevolent and they're they're concerned about us you know the violence and the destruction of the planet and the the wars all the wars that we have going on Mm -hmm. and um you know i I think most of us would be happy to see some of that change too right so the 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 um quantum physicists will tell you that when you detonate a nuclear device the, the effect of that, the energy from that transcends outside this time-space reality we live in, and it goes into other dimensions, and it's potentially dangerous to the galactic community, whoever they may be, and I really think that's a part of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What do you think about educating police officers and stuff? you think that, that there's going to be resistance to that at all? You know, because people are set in their ways and, and how they want to do things. Well... Sure. Anytime you do anything like that, you've got resistance. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I was talking to one of the sheriffs and um, I just had went to visit him because I had worked with him in the past. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I moved into this area and um, one of the other sheriffs that was my friend he said, you stop and see him and say hello. Tell him you live there now. You know, and I did. And of course, he's asked me what I do. And I told him I write books about UFOs. And he, he was like really interested. You know, he says, oh, I've watched all these discovery shows. And, you know, what do you think about this? And, you know, I've, I've read all these books about it. he's he's a person that's very interested in that. Mm-hmm. And and he actually said that something landed up in the forest one night and they didn't know what to do about it. You know, and um, and that's really what got me thinking about this book. And I thought, you know what, I need to write this book about this and, and start start sending it out to some of these guys. And, and so that's sort of, you know, that's sort of how, how it evolved, but yeah, there's going to be resistance and it's like anything else, you know, in, in the books, I've said that a lot of people, you know, part of the reason it's resisting is, is first of all, some people think it conflicts with their religious convictions, whatever that might be. Right. And, um, they, um, you know, it bothers them that way. Some of it just creeps them out and scares the hell out of them. They just don't want to talk about it. It's like, I'm in my little world and everything's fine. And, you know. I, mm-hmm. I, I go to Sunday school and, um, you know, I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have, I mean, in, in, in law enforcement, you've got a variety of different people and some of them are going to feel that way. And, you know, they're still entitled to feel that way. Right. But I think just making the, the, it available, you know, you might be thinking that and you roll up on something some night and, and then your perception might change real fast too, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And also not only that, but 
the um if you did roll up on something like this and you'd never had any of this training it would really it might really rock you and scare you bad mm -hmm. but at least if you've read my book you'll at least understand this stuff really does happen and it's not like you've lost your mind and then you you know you you just like freaked out or something it's that's it's really stuff that does happen if that makes mm -hmm. sense it does um when, when you think of disclosure like you said they're doing it slowly because they don't want to freak people out but do you think you know after all this history of of the crashes and everything do you think that they're already living among us like like the hybrids mm -hmm. yeah I mean, yeah. it could be, it because could be part of it is, um, part of it is when you look at this stuff, you know, mm -hmm. you've got in the book, I showed you five or six pictures of different types of vehicles. You've got saucers, mm -hmm. you've got triangles, mm -hmm. you've got cylinders, you've got balls of light, you know, they call them orbs, but they're balls of light. Mm -hmm. And, um, and by the same token, you have different bodies, you know, the, 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 most of the bodies, the, the entities are humanoid and by humanoid, that means that you have two feet, two legs, two arms, uh, two eyes, two ears, a head, and you walk upright like we do. Um, some of those entities look exactly like us. Okay. Uh, people say they look more Nordic. They're blonde hair, blue eyed. Um, and um, um, the, if you walked across, if you went into a coffee shop, you, you could be sitting next to one you'd never know. They'd know because they could hear what you're thinking. But, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, you might you 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 wouldn't see any they they look and talk just like like us um then there's some very common or what they call the little gray guys you know they're like three or four feet tall they've got big right. heads and big big eyes and all that very common and then some of the uh, entities are more reptilian looking kind of scary looking you know um and and so yeah there's different there's different there's different body types and i think there there's different agendas did i answer your question yeah, I mean, yeah. because my my, my 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 main thing was that once they do come to full disclosure on this, I mean, it could be your neighbor across the street, you don't know it, you know, so he's going to come out and say, hey, you know, now, now, you know, now that we have this disclosure, I'm from such and such. And that way it won't scare people as much. Well, and, and another thought, too, would be that you've got certain people that have, I'm trying to see how to explain this. They might, they're, they're born human uh -huh. and, um, and they live human lives, but they also uh -huh. have a, 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 a consciousness concept that's connected to that, to them too, somehow. Sure. And, and a lot of times what will happen is when someone's abducted or someone has a really close encounter, first encounter, uh -huh. um, what will happen is, um, that they'll sometimes have, um, they'll have a, um, um, like they'll be able to, to heal people and they'll have psychic abilities and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It brings that out as well for, like you say, for abductees as well. Cause I've known people that have claimed to be abducted and didn't have psychic ability. Well, didn't use their psychic abilities. Cause you know, in my, my line of work, we believe everybody's born with them and they get right. suppressed over the years. So these abductions, when they take them, because these things are communicating via the mind, when they come off these ships, they have psychic abilities. I mean, really strong now because the, yeah, they open that up. Where yeah. they can see things that are coming. Yeah. And that kind of, yeah. 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 Where they open that up. One thing I remember uh, going back and you talking about 
how this has been going on through different presidents, you know, presidents, going, you know, it goes way back. Uh, when I was a kid, I'm not going to say how old I am, in the 70s, I believe it was Argosy Magazine, and I remember this because my dad was into this stuff. And there were alien autopsy photos in that magazine, and I remember yeah, right. seeing them. And yeah. you can't, to, to save my life, I can't find the article online or nothing anywhere with reference to it, but it was there, and I remember seeing it. Well, there, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that's out there if you know where to look for it. And, um, mm -hmm. and of course, a lot of it is, um, you no matter what kind of picture you, you, you come up with, somebody will say, oh, I, I, it's a phony, you know. And, and, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of that is because the, the, the government has spent a lot of time and money trying to keep this quiet. I'd say probably the CIA is the biggest player in that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Project Blue Book, um, those were basically a lot of people that were connected to the CIA and, and they would go out and, you know, the, there were countless stories that that in, when I first started doing this, we were um, uh, when I first started doing this, we were. Um, um, can you hear that background noise? Is that OK? Good. Oh, it's fine. It's not a problem. Oh, going on out in the hall, but as long as you can't hear it, we're fine. It's all good. Um, the um, well, where was I? What was I getting ready to say? The the. Oh, the oh I got, no, I got lost my track too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the um, those 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 photos and that that kind of thing. They're right, 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 right. And and the, there's a lot of work that's being done by government agencies to kind of cover that up. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're all seeing is that um, that there's something's happened that reversed that because now all of a sudden. They're, um, you know, they're a lot of these these guys that used to be messing with people like me are now telling you stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a, a change in in, um, and I don't I don't completely understand it, but I think there's definitely a change in the focus for the government because you know since that article came out four years ago, there's been all kinds of videos that have been been shared. You know, you saw the famous ones with Frazier and the guys that launched off the Nimitz, uh -huh. and they were chasing the Tic Tacs around and that kind of thing. Um, those videos are real, and because uh -huh. I'm I'm I was involved with one of the other pilots, and I know that is real. That stuff is real. Uh -huh. And and by the way, those aren't photographs. Or videos, though those are infrared flares. They're infrared forwarding images. It's like an infrared picture. It's an infrared camera. Uh -huh. And um, part of the reason they use them is because an infrared camera can see all the heat. So if you had a jet going across, you'd uh -huh. see a heat signature from the the exhaust that's hot. Right. And of course, none of those had any kind of uh, components like that to them. You know, they're just zipping around. And so, yeah, that that's. You know that's pretty much what's um what you're dealing with is a lot of it's coming out now and i'm not you know i'm not sure i think there's more going on than we we probably realize but the fact that they've got these whistleblowers on tv you know you can say what you want but there aren't any accidents like that when somebody gets on tv like that they're letting them do it because if they didn't want to if they didn't really want him doing that something bad would have happened to him the day before he came to, to Washington. You know what absolutely, I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you in that. I think the government, the government for what it's worth is, is doing the right thing by letting it out slowly. Because like you say, like the, 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 otherwise you'll have an effect like, yeah, for instance, the war of the worlds. I mean, you're going to have that kind of effect exactly. if you let the stuff out too soon. So they're gradually pulling, you know, they're, they're gradually putting that out in front of people 
So it's almost like a net, like a same day thing. You know what I mean? Like, like pretty soon it's just going to be a normal thing. Oh yeah. There's aliens and there's this going on, you know, when it does fully happen. The other thing I was thinking is I remember um, one of my favorite books is the, uh, the Mojave incident. When that couple was kidnapped, you know, out of the back of their camper and what happened afterwards, because it made me question what I do as a ghost hunter the way they described it, because when the aliens would come, and this is where you get to that dimensional shifting, they said that the room would get cold, and they would see these these aliens come, coming out of the walls, just like we see ghosts. You know, just like a, mm -hmm. my paranormal team does ghosts. Then it made me wonder, because when you when we get our EVPs and stuff, some of those sound like they're either mechanical or they're really, really, really far away. And so it makes me wonder if we're not contacting aliens sometimes when, when we're doing that work well the the that uh, i've got a couple of thoughts on that one is the um a, a, a few years ago i got invited to speak at the national paranormal coalition mm -hmm. and it was really cool there was a bunch of people there there was people from the monroe institute the psychic research place and there was people from that were really good ghost hunters and stuff like that mm -hmm. evan alexander was there i got to meet him and spend some time with him and so um, I think one of the things that, you know, when and after that, I did some some, you know, I talked to some some of the more the, the shows more like yours. And there's clearly some similarities between some of the phenomena that happens with ghosts and with 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 ETs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I sometimes wonder if some of the stuff that was recorded back 100 years ago that they mm -hmm. thought it was a ghost, it might have been an ET. It mm -hmm. might have been something like that. Clearly, um, what you said about often when someone says they're abducted in the first mm -hmm. five or 10 times you hear this, you think this can't be happening, but it, mm -hmm. it, I've heard it so many times. I'm sure it does happen. But um, basically when um, the, when, when someone says they're being abducted very often, they'll tell you that they're kind of taken up out of their bed and then they just go right through a wall or right. go through the ceiling. Okay. And so what, what what I think or what we think happens is what they do is when they get connected to that person, they raise their vibrational level to a much higher frequency where the density is lower. Mm -hmm. And that makes it possible to go through the wall. If you want to think about it like that. Absolutely. Now, there was a case that um, in, in, uh, one of one of the researchers shared this with me recently, but basically there was this guy, a teenager who was abducted and he had been, as, as you know, people that are abducted, it sometimes happens more than once, um, might follow them through their whole family history or life. But this mm -hmm. guy was abducted and he was going up out of his bed and he had a hold of a sheet from the bed and they took him right through the window. And once he had gotten through the window, he let go of the sheet. Hmm. And when he let go of it, it went back to the original time space reality. Okay. Hmm. So when the investigators get there, the sheet is embedded in the window. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's molecularly in the window. In other words, the sheet goes right through the glass and the glass and the sheet are embedded together. Interesting. Uh, that's very interesting. But that tells you that it's a dimensional thing because probably when you let go of the sheet, the sheet transformed back to the original time space reality where he 
was still in the other as long as he was holding on to it 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 mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. it was going through but when it got halfway through the window he let go of it and it like molded her into the window into the glass and the wood in the window well that goes back to we've been playing with that kind of thing for a long time you know trying to figure that out i mean the 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 that 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 navy ship, you know, where all those guys disappeared, and then when they came oh, out of it, so, so yeah, some some of it were stuck, you know, some of them were stuck in in, in the bulkheads. Yeah, they were. The I mean, I can't imagine how they dealt with that, but that had to be pretty awful. Yeah, the Philadelphia, yeah. So I mean, th- I find this all fascinating because somewhere, you know, you got to think about this too. Somewhere we're getting we're getting the technology from somewhere to be able to do that stuff. So there has to be an agreement yeah. in place somewhere as well with these aliens for us to get this technology. Well, you know, and what you were saying about um, one of the things that um, that I've learned since I worked with Bass is that um, initially, you know, my first book when I wrote it, it's pretty good soup to nuts as far as how to investigate a case and report it and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But what we didn't talk about is that there's a, a, a lot of paranormal activity that occurs to people after they've been exposed to something like this. Right. In other words, um, if you've had a, a close encounter or something like that, um, at the after effect, people start seeing like poltergeist activity in their house or right. shadow figures um, and, and, and all that kind of paranormal thing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, wine bottle flying across the room and smashing against the wall and stuff like that. Or voices that are they discarnate, they, you know, voices, you can hear voices, but there's they're not coming from a body or something. You know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I when when I'm when I'm do, my first book, I'm either gonna revise it or write another book, a guide. And um, a lot more of the paranormal stuff is gonna be included in that. Like what what made me think of that is when you said the temperature. Mm-hmm. Anytime you have something like that, is I'm, I'm sure you've experienced it more than me. Maybe offline we could talk about that, but oh. um you know, when something like this occurs, the temperature drops. Right. And and there's instruments you can use that'll like look forward and it'll show you, you know, if, if there's a screen and, and there's a place right here where the temperature's 20 degrees colder than the rest of it, you know, that kind of thing. And so those those I want to feature some of that instrumentation in my in my next book. And of course the the you know the 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 EMF meters, the the electronic, you know, the f- different electronic fields. Mm-hmm. And also radiate, although we don't get much, at least I wouldn't think in paranormal work, you don't run into much radio, nuclear radiation type stuff. It's not very often. No, it's, it's yeah. electromagnetic oh, and, yeah, and temperature. Lots of EMF, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And also sound. There's yes. sounds that you can record. Yes. Um, in, in some of those ghost hunters had that one of the guys I met and never forget, he had a, um, they have a tape recording. I don't know if you guys have ever used them where you've got an earpiece and it's got a little tape recorder and it records it, but it plays back what it recorded five seconds later to right. you. There's a time lag in it. And mm-hmm. somehow he could hear stuff going on. And like you go to a battlefield and hear him talking and stuff like that. It was really interesting. It is really interesting. Um, what would you like to see happen with, with disclosure? Would you, would you prefer it take longer or would you prefer it be quicker? I prefer it to be honest. Okay. Whatever that means, whatever that, how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, something like this, when you start talking about it, you know, I, it's like when you open that can of worms, you can't put it back again. You know what I'm right. saying? And um, um, 
yeah, as long as whatever they do, as long as it's honest, it's not deceptive. And, you know, more along the way, one of the ways that they concealed this or tried to hide it is what they call disinformation. And they'll give you a little bit of truth mixed up with a whole bunch of BS to confuse everybody. Mm -hmm. And they've gotten very highly skilled at it. So, yeah, it, I'm not sure how the time frame. I know it's going to happen soon. Mm -hmm. And once you start it, it's going to happen. It's a snowball. And, and you know, you're not going to, it's like, what do they say when you have a car and it's on the top of the hill, mm -hmm. you know, and it starts to drift backwards. If you get out and you stand against it and you, you can hold <laughs> it, stop it. But if you wait till it's going 45 miles an hour down the hill, right. you ain't going to stop it anymore. And that's what, that's what this is all about is, is it's going to start coming in. And when it does it, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to open up. And I just hope that whatever's done is done honestly. Mm -hmm. that, you know, do you think that cases of sightings are increasing now because people are more acclimated, you know, because, you know, because of these government reports that, that people aren't as afraid to go out mm -hmm. and say, Hey, this happened to me. Or do you just think no. there's, there's an increase in general from these aliens coming because we're using all this nuclear stuff? No, it, it's um, when we, when we were running the, the star team, impact project with bass mm -hmm. one of the things i did is i had a guy um get a usa map and put little mm -hmm. pinpoints where all the cases were mm -hmm. because we were trying to see are there some areas where there's more cases than other areas and um essentially what we found was like highly populated areas or like if you're out in arizona and you go you know i think it's route 10 that goes up through arizona you'll mm -hmm. see lots of reports along there but then mm -hmm. out in the Samoan desert where there isn't anybody, you don't see any reports. That doesn't mean that it's not happening there. That just means right. there's nobody there to see it and experience it and report it. Mm -hmm. So um, the consistency, I think, is, is first of all, it's global. It happens all over the world. Um, I, last night I was sitting there watching something from Mexico and they were showing all the, the things that, that, you know, that that's happened in Mexico and the, the government there isn't quite as tight as ours is. So they're a lot easier going as far as letting them put stuff on TV about sightings and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, there are, there are what they call flaps and a flap is like, there's been different places. One of them was in Withville, uh, Virginia. And, you know, basically all of a sudden all these people in the community start seeing all these UFOs and it happens over a month or two and then it quits and nobody can figure out why or what was going on. But like thousands of people saw him. Yeah. You know, I mean, okay. there's a, in the book, the guy, there's a wedding and there's like two or 300 people at this venue at a wedding. And this thing hovers over the parking lot, like 200 people come out and look at it, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, that kind of thing, it's pretty in, irrefutable, but, um, yeah, I, th there are flaps, um, a lot of activity around military stuff, but I don't think it's, um, you know, it can happen. Um, you know, there's uh, there's cases I read where people are up in New York and they're sitting on the balcony of a restaurant and they see a triangle come right over, you know, and then out in the middle of nowhere in in um, you know, in in Georgia, somebody sees, you know, it, it doesn't I don't really think there's any correlation to, you know, a time. Now, there are places like if you want to if you, you know, the, the TV show about the Skinwalker Ranch, sure. of course, you know that Bigelow owned the Skinwalker right. Ranch when I was exactly. working for them there. I've never been there, um, but I know it's a really creepy place <laughs> that most of the people that did go there weren't that, you know, that it wasn't that much fun there. Mm -hmm. um, but 
uh, there, there's clearly something there that, that's mm -hmm. hooked to that geographic location where it, it happens, you know, mm -hmm. and there are places like that around the world where, where that, that kind of stuff does happen. That being one of the most interesting ones, probably, and the most well-investigated one too. So, well, well, you know, ley lines come into play in this too. And people don't realize it. You know, with well, the paranormal it, activity, it, it, I don't know if it works that way for you for UAPs or UFOs, but I mean paranormal activity and ley lines, well, you know, that, that that's a big deal. Well, it it does and um of course everybody talks about in Sedona the land lay, you know, the line, you know, the energy mm -hmm. fields there. Right. Um one of the biggest ones in the world's in Charlottesville. And of course, I live there, and um, uh, with it's it's very close to Monticello. I live five miles away from it, so I wrote two of my books while I was in that, whatever the hell it is. Mm -hmm. um, but um, and they say there's more writers in Charlottesville than anywhere in the country, so maybe there's something to that. I don't know, creative mm -hmm. kind of energy. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I, I think those. I did not when I was out in Sedona last year. I didn't experience anything. Like, I didn't feel anything. But living in Charlottesville, being used to it, maybe I wasn't really that you know, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, the, the Sedona has got some, some, what they think is some pretty cool stuff out there too. And, and by the way, Jefferson in my book, Thomas Jefferson wrote about red orbs that hovered over Monticello when he was president. Wow. That's incredible. How do you think the police handled those sightings in Las Vegas? Well, to, to be honest with you, I wasn't involved in that. Mm -hmm. um, what, you know, George Knapp is like the TV, you know, news person down there. Yeah. And when I was talking to him the other night, um, he said that he thought that they did, did, they were trying, they did a pretty good job. He said, you could tell they were a little nervous and they weren't screwing around, but they really thought maybe something was happening and they handled it pretty professionally. But I, I didn't really follow it that much, but according to him, he thought that they did a pretty good job or at least they were trying to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, and then there was another one in Texas where they did a what they call a tabletop exercise. It's like a, a spoof, but you pretend like there's a crash and then hear, respond to it and all that. And I and they put a video out. And um, you know, I was I told I told George afterwards if I should I wish they were read. If I'm gonna send them my book, if they read my book, they probably do a better job of laying it out like it really happens. But right. we'll see. That's kind of cocky on my part, but. I'd do it if I if I could find out who's running that. I'd probably send him one of my books for fun. Last question for you is and along this line of Las Vegas, you're standing on the strip, and there's uh, several stores uh, along with yours that have books similar to your books. What do you say to get people to uh, read and buy your book? Most of the time, when people come and read my book, it. Um, they're usually asking me questions or a lot of times people start telling me about something that happened to them. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what normally what I do is like, if, if I go to, if I go to a conference or something like that, people will buy my books. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, and by the way, that website up there at the, over my head there, if you go to that website, there's links to buy all my books and other okay. information on there too. Okay, but cool. Lang publication, that's my business. I publish, I basically publish books for, you know, people that want to um, self-publish. So mm -hmm. somebody will send us a manuscript in a Word document. We'll turn it into a book, put it on on Amazon and that kind of thing, get it printed for them, whatever they want. Cool. But I've used that, obviously, to do my own books. But they're all, mine are on there, and there's links at langpublication.com. You can find the links and, um, you know, 
that if they want to get the books, they're available in Kindle hardback and, um, uh, paperback. And we're going to, um, we're going to start doing the, the talking books, you know, and, and, and mm -hmm. you can do them through Amazon. They'll be on there too. I'm going to work on one. Um, I'm, I've got another one that I'm, one of the books I'm doing is I'm going to revise the investigation book and put more paranormal stuff in it, particularly the, I might give you a call about that because, um, I'm still sure. trying to figure out the equipment list that we want to use. We've bought some and, um, you know, there's some, some interesting things out there that people use and a couple of, there's a couple of companies that make that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I'll, 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 sometime let's, we'll talk offline. I'd, I'd love to pick your brain about that. Yeah. Cause you guys oh, do a lot more of that stuff than I do. I'm available um, anytime. Absolutely. Yeah. I will, great, I yeah. Will. That'd be great. And then I also, the last book that, um, I'm writing is because people always say, well, none of your books have very much case, you know, we would like to hear about cases. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm writing a book. It's like 25 chapters. They're short stories about what happened to someone. And um, they're based on cases I've worked on in, in the last 30 years. And um, I've tried to pick out some of the most interesting and creepy ones that um, that that'll. But at the same time, trying to accurately convey what happened the, mm -hmm. to the person. So so the, the story would be not it's not an investigative report, um, you know, where you got times, dates, locations, pictures and all that. But what it is, right. it's like a story like you tell someone if you were sitting across the campfire or the dinner table, it's like, you know, I last year I was driving home, you know what happened to me? And if that's the con, that's how it's written. And I've mm -hmm. got three or four chapters done and I've read them to a few people. And everybody says, Oh my God, I can't wait till the rest of this book comes out, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so, but it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's more entertainment. I've changed. I, I said, I've redacted some of the names and changed the locations um, so that people don't, you know, you know, their privacy is, is critically important and, and want to protect that. But, you know, that's what I'm doing now. Absolutely. And like I said, I'll give you a call. I want to talk about some of the, the equipment you guys are using, too. Sounds good to me. Rick, All right. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate thank it. You. Again, I learned so much. That's why I let, that's why I let you. you go. I just thought I'm just going to let him go and talk about his stuff because it's just so fascinating to me. And well, I think it's it's going to be fascinating to my listeners tonight, too. It's going to be what again? It's going to be fascinating to my listeners tonight too. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. I hope they enjoy it. And um, yeah, you know, if you you get any interesting inquiries, you got my email and all that too. So. Sure, sure. Yeah. I would love to have yeah. you on again at some point. Absolutely. Yes, thanks. Uh, well, we'll keep you up to date as this disclosure thing comes along. You know, I think that that, that that's happening fast, and there's a lot of um, what what I understand is okay. The Defense Authorization Act last year they gave them amnesty. And this year, what they're trying to do is um, they put provisions in this year's and it basically says that defense contractors have six months to disclose what they have in their their facilities, wreckage, bodies and all that. They that is mandated by Congress that they have to come clean and disclose it. And they're also trying to get mm -hmm. subpoena power. So if they don't disclose it, they can come after them. And then they put provisions in there to give them amnesty if somebody comes forward and tells them something. Mm -hmm. that, that might have been done it's not legal or has you know tax consequences that they can't be prosecuted mm -hmm. for it mm -hmm. and there's a fight right now in congress to get you know there's some people that are like really interested in doing that and then you know the the guys that there's a couple of congressmen that are fighting and then you look back and see where they're there you know their money's all coming from defense contractors you know right 
for obvious reasons. And that's, you know, they know it's true, but they're going to try to keep it quiet as long as they can. So we'll see. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate it. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'll give you a call. Talk soon. Okay. Be safe. Okay. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Have a great one. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All right. That's oh, it, it was fascinating. I love talking about that stuff. I love hearing about that stuff. And like I told him, I just, my, my intention was to just let him talk about his book and that's what happened and that's what I wanted. Okay. Tomorrow uh, we'll be back at 6 30 PM Pacific on our usual. Well, I'll be live tomorrow, 6 30 PM Pacific. David Serrata is going to be with us and he's going to be talking about UFO algorithms. So he'll be with us at 6 30 PM Pacific tomorrow. Anyway, I want to thank you all. And, um, I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I, this gentleman was fantastic. I'll give you his contact information. And he's got three books out, you know, which, which include this thing for the 911 people. And uh, we'll call it a night. So here we go. And uh, boom, push the right buttons. His website is langpublication.com. And the first book is UFO Investigation, uh, Police, Fire, Rescue. And you've got the UFO Investigation, The Age of Disclosure, and you've got UFO Investigation, The Method for a New Age. And, of course, you can get those through his website or Amazon. Alrighty. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here. I'm just trying to get the word out about my show. And, you know, we're 220 away from hitting that thousand subscriber mark over on YouTube. So we're getting really close to that. And I'm about 500 away right now on TikTok from hitting that magic 3000 mark. So we can start going live on TikTok with these shows while we're doing it live on the other network. So it's getting there little by little. I'm hoping to have my YouTube set up by Christmas. It would be a nice Christmas gift. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming, and I will see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, with David Serrata. Have a great rest of your day.